Hey guys, so what is Thrivehood, you might ask? Well, that's a good question. I'd say it's a relevant life roadmap for young men out there who want to thrive as they're maturing boldly into manhood. From the very serious to the silly, I chat about a wide variety of relatable topics that both challenge and motivate you to do what needs to be done now so you can become who you want to be later. I'm Tim Williams, and this is Thrivehood. Jonathan Katherman is a very well-established best-selling author. He is a public speaker. He has founded an organization called 1M Mentoring for young boys and men. He's got, I want to say, nine or ten books already under his belt. And actually, he's coming out with a new book on March 22nd called Raising Them Ready. And just a great guy. We got to know each other over the last few months. And one of the reasons that I was drawn to him was one of his first books that he wrote called Manual to Manhood. You really do need to check that out. Great book. Lines up almost exactly to what I'm trying to accomplish and what my goals are for Thrivehood. And so we got a chance to sit down and talk for a few minutes. And I want to bring that to you now. Hope you enjoy it. Jonathan, my man. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Tim. It's good to be here. Appreciate the invite. So let's dive into it. Let's get right into it. I guess probably the first and most obvious question. Tell us a little bit about Jonathan. What are you, what are you about? Who are you? Yeah, I'm that freaky tall guy that comes walking down the street and everybody turns around and says, did you see how tall that guy is? By the way, we hear you. My family hears you when you all say that. <laughs> uh, I'm a... <laughs> I'm a, a sociologist who's got a really great family. That's the most important thing to me is my family. Um, great wife. Her name's Erica. Been married for, man, we're coming up on 26 years. We've got a couple of boys, sons that are you know, 21 and 18 years old. Uh, but my career, I'm a sociologist. I get to study people. I got the best job in the world, live with the best people in the world. I'm quite happy. How did you get from being a sociologist to becoming an author? Okay. So that's like, everybody asks that question. It's a really great question because I think a lot of people want to be authors, but nobody really wants to be a sociologist or very few people do. So like, how did you go from doing something boring? Most people think to something that's really kind of cool. And the answer is, is slow over time. Um, but yet it happened in an instant. So what I mean by that is um, I was involved in like this massive car accident when I was on a business trip in uh, South Texas. And for one minute, I um, orphaned my children and I widowed my wife. So, yeah, I, I was. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of dramatic to say it that way. But I walk away from this car accident that I didn't think I was going to in the middle of like if anybody, if any of your listeners have been in a massive car accident, there's that sound of breaking glass and crunching metal and the taste of the airbag in your mouth and and in that moment, I thought I was going to die. And in a selfishness of that moment, I thought, but this isn't fair. I haven't had a chance to raise my sons yet. And I was figuring someone else was going to get that opportunity. And I was jealous of that person. And I wanted to be the one that taught them how to tie a tie or change a tire or grill a steak or the things that, that, that dads want to teach their kids. 
And yet here I walk away from this car accident with nothing more than a massive bruise on my hip. And, and a couple hours later, I'm sitting back in my hotel room with a brand new rental car. And I've got the shakes because I'm coming down off of out of shock probably. And so I started writing this cloud file titled, If Anything Ever Happens to Me. And it was a, it was a message to my sons. And, and that's how I ended up writing the book, The Manual to Manhood. It didn't intend to be a book to start. It was, it was just a message to my boys. And in the end, it's uh, sold a bunch of copies and it's in like languages around the world. And it's, it's just, it just hit a nerve. It was, it was the right book at the right time for the right audience. So that's how I became an author. And from there, as a sociologist, I just continue to follow the need. So uh, I've written with my wife, the same message type books for girls. Um, and I've written with my sons. We've co-authored together. And, and so it's been just a, a progression. And nine books later, I, I people now call me an author rather than a sociologist, but I'm really a sociologist who's just written a bunch of books. <laughs> okay. I am intrigued. I want to I drill down for just a minute. Was there any trepidation? Was there any nervousness? Was there any questioning of yourself as you said, author? I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a book. How, how did, was there challenges there? Was it pretty a, a simple, like, yeah, I can do this or, or tell us a little bit about that. I'm curious. Yeah, I figured, I figured I had, uh, I had hit the jackpot in the way that a publisher was going to now pay me to write a book that I figured was only going to sell two copies of, you know, I was going to buy one myself. And of course my mom was going to buy the other one because moms right. buy anything. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah, I was, especially since, okay, you ask a very Good question, because um, I think a lot of people have concerns about the quality of their writing, and particularly me, because I'm, I'm dyslexic. And growing up as a like middle schooler and high schooler, I was very aware of my struggles with reading and writing. You know, at that, at that time of life, we're making decisions about what we might want to do for our lives. And I made a commitment to myself that I would never stand on a stage and talk in front of people. I would never read or have to read or write for a living. And now most of what I do when it comes to my profession is standing on a stage, talking in front of people and reading and writing for a living. So yeah, was there trepidation? You better believe there was, but, but I believe also that with, I, I like challenges because challenges are exciting. Threats are, are not. And we can talk a little bit more about that, but I'm willing to take on a challenge because if I'm willing and able to do it, the outcome is probably going to be decent. And uh, thankfully, it's been a little better than decent. Okay. You just open the door. I'll walk through it. Challenges versus threats. Can you explain that to the audience? What do you mean? Yeah, okay. So, so picture this. Our brains thrive in one type of, of a space and it, and it just tries to survive in the other type of space. I'm not just saying there's only two options here, but, but when we feel willing and able to do something, our brain takes it on as a challenge and we thrive in challenges. I mean, think about this as listeners, if you've ever felt excited about something because you have the mindset, skill set, tool set to do something, you're willing and able, you strive to, to do it with excellence and you succeed and you're like, that was great. I'm going to do it better next time. Your brain has registered that as a challenge. Like I said, our brains thrive in challenges. Whereas if we aren't willing or aren't able, or we don't have the mindset, skill set, tool set to do something, our brain registers that as a threat. And we'll do anything we can to avoid threats. It's called fight or flight. 
So when our when when we view something as a threat, we're just really trying to get through it. We're really just trying to survive. So challenges we thrive, threats we survive. So when it came to writing and what I do professionally now, I'm always looking for the challenge because in challenges I will thrive. And if it's a threat, I'm either going to work out my mindset, skill set, tool set, my willingness and ability to take it on and transform a threat into a challenge, or I'll just save it for a different day when I'm a little stronger. I love it. I love this. I think the, the, the guys listening to this, this is guys, this is really, really good information. And I think this is obviously very valuable. Okay. Switching gears here. Let's talk a little bit about your books. I know the first one, you just briefly touched on it. Manual to Manhood. What is that about? So the Manual to Manhood is a how-to type book. It's literally how to cook the perfect steak, change a tire, impress a girl, and 97 other skills you need to survive, which off of what we just said, was sounds like it's a threat. But here's the thing. If you don't know how to do these things, how to cook the perfect steaks, change a tire, impress a girl, and 90 other, 97 other skills you need, then yeah, it's a threat. If you do know how to do them, it's a challenge for you to thrive in. So my hope is that guys move past the survival mode into the thrive mode. Manual to manhood is literally a hundred how to do this step-by-step skills. It's also packed full of some great character content and the world-class experts lending their advice ranging from professional NASCAR drivers to NFL Super Bowl winners to celebrity chefs. These are all buddies of mine who lend their expertise on the chapter leads. And so like, let's do this, Tim. I've got the book in my hand here. I'm just going to thumb through it and you tell me when to stop. That way it'll be completely random. Your listeners will know that we're not like setting them up for anything. So, so you tell me when to stop. Here I go thumbing through. Tell me when. Stop. All right. Well, I just went to how to wash laundry. Oh, so <laughs> exciting, right? <laughs> There's not, not one of your guys is like, oh, wait, he could have landed on a better one. They're like thinking that was the worst one ever. But here's the deal. Okay, check this out. Knowing how to do laundry is not like this thing that you, we, we brag about. But if you don't know how to do laundry, it shows. So I believe every guy that's listening to this episode, anybody who's listening to this episode, they want a couple things, which include to gain respect and avoid embarrassment. And knowing how to do laundry will absolutely help you avoid embarrassment. So here's a step-by-step guide on how to do your laundry. In fact, if you turn the page, here's a step-by-step guide on how to dry your laundry. So we'll do wash on one page, dry it on the next page, and you don't have to worry about having someone else do your laundry because that's what mature people know how to do. They know how to do their own laundry. Fantastic. Yeah. I was, I was also looking at uh, just expanding on that and I'm looking at the introduction page right now. Uh, just some of the, the high level headers here, uh, women in dating, wealth and money management, grooming and hygiene, social skills. That's a big one that we really need nowadays. God help us work and ethics, cars, driving food, sports tools, and fix it. I love what you're trying to accomplish. Let's move on to the other book that I think is equally important. And that is the Becoming the Next Great Generation. Tell us about that book. So Becoming the Next Great Generation is one of two books that go together. I wrote the first book, Guiding the Next Great Generation for your parents, educators, and mentors, and Becoming the Next Great Generation for any young guy or girl who's coming of age and wants to be confident and capable as an adult. 
And in Becoming the Next Great Generation, we cover four challenges that your listeners are going to have to address in their life as they mature between childhood and adulthood. Challenge one, how to build bridges between the generations. Challenge two, how to practice stewardship before leadership. Challenge three, transform raw talents into valued strengths. And challenge four, to live with purpose. So this book was really a tipping point work for your listeners that are interested in taking it to the next level. They want to mature into a young man in the making or young woman in the making who is uh, stands out above the rest. And they just don't want to be the normal teenager, teenager who's just, you know, doing everything the, the same way everybody else is. They really want to impress themselves first and then others. If you want to be the next great generation, if you want to be a member of that, these are the four challenges you're going to have to accomplish. So let me ask you something. Have you gotten any responses from anybody out there that has read this book and has said it's made an impact, it's helped? Well, (laughs) absolutely. It's used in schools around the country for uh, particularly high schools where they're working on how do they make uh, their, the students not just academic or athletic or extracurricular club experiences make them shine. But if you're applying to college or university, if you're applying to the workforce, if you want to go in the military, you want to, you want to set yourself aside. You've got to look a little different. You've not just got to look a little different. You actually have to be a little different than everybody else in the field. So, Yes, the feedback we get from becoming an X-rate generation, the students that read that book, the young people who read it, is, okay, this really helped me take the next step and be greater than I thought I could be when I started reading. Was it hard to get that book into schools? Uh, no, that's why I wrote it, is because re- the request was from educators. How do we, we need a piece that will help our students stand out. There's a the particular value in there about transform raw talents into valued strengths, that challenge. Everybody has talent. And, and there's no way you can, you can get through high school without at least discovering a bit of your talent. I mean, that's why the clubs exist. That's why you, you, you thrive in some of your classes. But how do you take your talent and turn it into a strength? Because on talent, you'll get recognized, but on strength, you'll be valued. So if, you, if you're going into the workplace and you you're being hired for your strength, not just for your talent. Um, if you are going into the military, then uh, they're going to train you in an area that's going to bring a specific strength to where you're, where you're deploying. Um, if, if you're going to university, college and university, then you're studying to, to take something you're interested in, your talent, and transform it into a strength. And then again, I'm going to hire you as a professional off of your strength, not just off of your talent. The problem is we use talent as a very loose word. And what I mean by that is all of your listeners have heard someone say, oh, they're a really talented athlete, or they'll say something like, oh, that guy's a really talented football player. That guy's a really talented um, guitar player. Uh, no, they're not. There's no such thing as a talented football player or a talented guitar player. There's such thing as a talented athlete or a talented musician the talent is athleticism. The talent is that artistic ability that, that musicians have, but then they train to the specific value of football or basketball or soccer or lacrosse or tennis, or you fill in the blank of the specific sport, or you train as, an, as a musician for the guitar or for the trumpet or for the drums or for the piano. 
the piano, the trumpet, the guitar, the drum, that's your strength. The um, being a quarterback in football is your strength. Being a, a, a forward in soccer, that's your strength. We need to, everybody needs to hone down and know what their strengths are, but you don't just wake up one day discovering it. You have to actually develop your strength from your raw talents. Oh, man, everything you're saying, I'm 100% on board. I think it's great. Hey, so let's move to the last and maybe what is somewhat important book that is getting ready to come out. And I think that is called Raising Them Ready. Is that right? Tell us about that. Maybe an ETA on that yet? What's going on there? Yeah, yeah. Raising Them Ready comes out on March 22nd, 2022. And this is a book written for parents and it's called Practical Ways to Prepare Your Kids for Life on Your Own. So if your listener is like, say, 15 years old or, or 18 years old or even younger than, than, than average, this is the book you'd want your parents to get. And it's a compliment to you growing up in a way that your parents are prepping you to release you into the world and you're ready to go. You're ready to thrive rather than just simply trying to survive. The book's broken into uh, three major parts called Ready, Set, and Go. In Ready, um, I introduce you to a readiness assessment, which is you, either you, you as a young person or the parents can assess if an, in a specific area, a demand is presented before you. Are you ready to take on that demand or not ready to take on that demand? Do you have the mindset, skill set? Uh, tool set, which is willingness and ability to take on a demand. If you are, then you are, your brain sees it as a challenge and you thrive. If you're not, again, the brain sees it as a threat and you're just trying to get through it. You're trying to survive. Uh, part two of the book is called Set, and it's all about the skill sets, tool sets you need. And we have a list of over 300 skill sets and tool sets young people need to acquire before they leave home. And it's really hard to do that in one fellow swoop on your 18th birthday. It's probably not going to happen. The earlier you can start practicing those things, the better off you're going to be. And the last part of the book is called Go. And it's a release plan for the parents so they let go a little at a time. In fact, your young listeners should love this, that their parents are practicing letting go when they're young and when they're tweens and when they're teens and when they're in their early, you know, late teens, early 20s a little bit at a time so that as a young person, you're demonstrating your maturity and your parents can rest assured and celebrate with you when you launch that big day and go out on your own, that you're ready for this. Rather than just being this like cold turkey, cut dry, something you're 18, you're off on your own, now you're trying to figure it out. They're freaked out, you're freaked out. It never really works out that well. Why not do it slowly over time? So we have a release plan where they let go a little at a time over time. Give my listeners a final thought uh, that maybe they can take with them as, as, a, as a takeaway as we finish this out, Jonathan. So one of my favorite things to tell audiences when I'm speaking or I'm visiting is that everyone is capable of greatness and the world needs yours. There's a little bit of a caveat with that, though. You've got to dis discover. you got to discover and become what your greatness is. It's not something you inherit. It's not something that, that you just stumble upon. It has to be something that you discover and develop your greatness. So, so the caveat would be to believe that everyone is capable of greatness. I do. I've seen it. I've seen every single person that I have ever worked with has the potential for greatness. I believe that the world needs 
young people today. I believe that you will do more good in this world than any generation before, but you got to discover and develop it. So everyone's capable of greatness and the world needs yours. This podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed by guests are not necessarily those of the host. Please seek the advice of a trusted adult or qualified professional on matters specific to your needs. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.